You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Relationships. Now, what does it take to have a relationship? Well, let me, first of all, give you a bunch of categories for these. You can have a business relationship, you can have a friendly relationship, a formal relationship, a normal relationship, a casual relationship, an intimate relationship, a romantic relationship. You can have a purely sexual relationship, which, you know, we all understand what friends with benefits is. A serious relationship, a broken relationship, a long-distance relationship, a long-term relationship. You can have a damaged relationship, a healthy relationship, a hostile relationship, a meaningful relationship, all kind of relationships. They're not always good. They're not always right. And some need to be worked on along the way. What does it take to have a relationship with anybody? And I think part of what makes church work, people say, oh, well, I can worship God out here under a tree or more like under a rock in some cases. You know, I don't need to go gather with the church. You know what you got to have to be alive? You got to have relationships. People don't make it very long without connecting with each other. And what you discover is even if you have relationship with other people, you start thinking, you know what? Something's still missing. Unless the relationship with God is intact and in place, the other ones really at some point don't fix it, don't fulfill, they don't do what needs to be done because only God can fill that place inside of you that once it's filled can overflow and we'll get some verses on that a little bit and then help you interact with other people along the way. You've gotta have relationships or you don't make it with God, with yourself and with others. What does it take to have these relationships? There's gotta be some communication. And you say, well, does that mean words? Not always. I've watched couples sit at lunch or dinner. You know, maybe they've been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And you've seen these people think, ah, those people hate each other. And they'll sit there eating their food and just look up at each other once in a while and smile. You think, why don't they talk? They may be saying more than you've ever said. Just a look and a smile and they're there. So there's all, there's verbal, nonverbal. There's all ways to communicate. So there's gotta be some communication. And I think the longer anything you call a healthy relationship, the longer it goes, there has to be some transparency. There has to be some vulnerability. You have got to get to the real stuff, whether it's with God, yourself, or other people, you cannot maintain surface relationships. And I can tell you people I know right now, there are certain people I can say almost anything to, but there are other people that I hold back and I go to say something, the relationship isn't strong enough, mature enough, far along the road enough that if I said that, it would be appropriate. I'm just not comfortable yet saying it, but maybe one day I'll get there. And maybe one day someone will say something to me they can't say right now because the relationship isn't there where they can do that. So authenticity, transparency, vulnerability, accountability. There has to be trust in a relationship that works. There's gotta be some love, I think. You would hope so. And there has to be a commitment to these relationships, whatever they are. You know, as a parent, you have a relationship with kids. And sometimes you think, well, that relationship doesn't seem to be the same or as strong. You may have kids who are in trouble and just said to hell with you basically and walked out. Man, if you're gonna be a parent, you've got to have some commitment that takes you all the way down the road 
till death do us part. And I'd almost tell couples now, you know, we say marriage is till death do us part. Kids are the real till death do us part. Because marriages blow up, but your kids never stop being your kids. And it is a challenging process, I know, for many of you. All right, let's look at some verses. As it turns out, the whole Bible is basically just a big relationship manual. How to have a relationship with God, other men, other women, men and women together, men and men, women and women. And one of the most powerful ones in here is 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you'll go there, we'll try to go left to right. I'll jump, throw one Proverbs in there in the middle of it to mess you up, but basically we'll go left to right. 1 Samuel 18. And before I read some of these words, there are some categories in the Old Testament, obviously it's Hebrew, New Testament, it's Greek. But in the Greek, the words for love, there's one word, agape, and some of you have been Christians forever, say, oh, we know all this. Not everybody knows all this. There's one word, agape, it's a God kind of love. It doesn't exist without God. There's another phileo, a word phileo, where it's a friendship kind of love. It's not romantic, it's not a God thing, it's just friends kind of on that level. And then there's eros, where we get erotic, those kind of things. That's just physical, lustful, sexual in nature, any of those categories. You can have eros and phileo, but back to where we started, you can do those without having the agape kind of love, that selfless kind of love, that God kind of love flowing to you, in you, filling you, and then going to somebody else. And that is what ultimately makes all the difference. But there's a couple of guys, 1 Samuel 18, and I'm just gonna read you a few of these phrases, but there's two guys. Saul had a son named Jonathan. King David eventually became king, but he was under Saul, and Saul basically chased him around, tried to kill him. You have to read that part of the Old Testament to get the whole picture. But Jonathan and David struck up a friendship, and it is not just any kind of friendship. In fact, this was such an intense friendship that homosexuals sometimes nowadays will jerk these verses out of the Bible and say, well, see, these guys were homosexual. I can have a friendship with a man that can be extremely intense, intimate in a man kind of way where you can have conversation and love each other, it is completely different than with a woman. And to jerk these verses out of here and try to make them say that these guys were homosexual is one of the most bizarre things you'll ever hear. But if you're looking for verses to justify behavior, then this is where some of them land. But he says here in 1 Samuel 18, let's go to verse one. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. If anybody knits, I used to, but I don't anymore. This is with this guy friend I was talking about. <laughs> the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan, look at this, loved him as his own soul. Now that is a relationship. And I'll read you another one in a minute where it's distinguished from a relationship with a woman. And I'll tell you what, I didn't really grow up with a bunch of guy friends. For whatever reason, I didn't pick up on it. I didn't know how to be friends with another man. I didn't know what to talk about. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I just didn't know how to do it. And some of you guys listening today, you don't know what you're doing and therefore you don't do it and you're missing out on something. I literally do not think I would make it through the rest of my life without the relationships that I have with some men in my life that love me and that I love and will go to bat for me and I'll go to bat for them. I'm not saying my wife and my children, all those things don't matter, but you need some godly men. And ladies, you need some godly women in your life. I'm not talking about somebody who says, oh, you have the right to be happy, you know, get rid of that slug and move on. I'm talking about people in your life that will challenge you and push you in the right direction. So if it's scary, it was scary for me. In some ways it still is because it's very vulnerable 
in a different kind of way. But I encourage you men, I encourage women, young people alike, find someone, the older you get, that's tracking with you. First Samuel chapter 20, again he says in verse 17, now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. They made promises to each other. There was such a relationship. Down in verse 41, that same chapter, as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. They kissed one another, they wept together, but David more so, then Jonathan said to David, go in peace since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. He said, oh, well it says they kissed. You know what? My dad walks in here. I'll walk up, put my arms around my dad and I'll kiss him on the cheek. I got no problem with that. And if you got a problem with it, it's your problem. And I got buddies of mine, big, you know, burly guys they walk in here, I'd put my arm around them in a heartbeat, kiss them on the cheek, and you say, well, I'm not comfortable with that. Then just stay away from me while they're around because I'm not changing that for you. Don't misunderstand. You can love someone in a completely different way without it being inappropriate. Second scene with chapter one, let's jump in at verse 17. And what has happened here is Saul and his son Jonathan have been killed in battle. And David respected Saul, but the guy was trying to kill him for years and was respectful of the fact that Saul had been killed. But man, when he found out Jonathan had died, literally he's teaching, it says, then David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. Verse 25, go down there. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. And David had some women around him, but there was something different. You say, well, does this mean that this kind of love you're describing with another man with a man, a woman with a woman is not inappropriate, but it could be even more than a married couple or whatever. I'm just telling you what he said here. There was something, their souls, it says, were knit together. And if you have a friend like this, you are a rich person. Go to Proverbs chapter 17. And by the way, these Jonathan David relationships, they're not many. If you think, oh, I'm going to get me a bunch of those friends, you're not going to get you a bunch of those friends. You might end up with one or two in a lifetime, and they're very precious things. Proverbs 17:9 says, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. There is something about a relationship that is healthy where you keep your mouth shut unless you're opening it to share something with someone you trust. And I am terrified for some reason, and maybe it's just because the way I grew up not knowing what to do. Even in these relationships that I have with the men that I have them with, I still am eking out a little bit at a time. I'm afraid that if I bare my soul, if I'm completely vulnerable, if I share, you know, 100% of my stuff and get completely truthful, that I'll be rejected. Everybody's got these fears. But there is something about sitting down with somebody and as a man, and I really want to stress this, men with men, women with women, when it's healthy. Because women, there are some things you don't need to be sharing with any man on the planet. And men, there are some things you don't need to be saying to another woman, because frankly, I don't think they understand where our brains are and how they work. But you better find you somebody, because you're going to need somebody before it's all over. Go down that same chapter, Proverbs 17, I think it's verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And I've heard this quoted a bunch of different ways. 
Get yourself in a situation where you're in trouble and that's when you find out who your friends are. Some scandal show up in your life, some embarrassing thing, your friends will show up and say, okay, what are we gonna do? What do we do next? Proverbs 18, let me read you one or two out of this. Verse 23 and following, the poor man uses entreaties, but the rich man answers roughly. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And in my case, I think that friend, I would say in a lot of ways is Jesus. And I'm not minimizing that truth, but every once in a while, I need some flesh and blood. I need somebody to look at. I need Jesus in a body helping me through some of these things. Go to Proverbs chapter 27. Now I'll tell you one of the things I think if you have a healthy relationship with someone, sooner or later you have survived conflict. If you have a friend or you're in a relationship and it's all pleasantries all the time, nothing ever goes wrong, no challenges, no tough conversations, I'm telling you, you're not getting very far in that relationship. You are going to have some conflict or you're gonna have at least some challenge. You have to have someone who can look you in the eyes and say, you know what, you're full of it. Go down here in Proverbs 27, verse five. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Oh, I love him. I love her so I just don't want to hurt her feelings. You know what? If you claim to love me and we are in a relationship where you can say something to me, you better tell me because it's going to cost me later if you don't. Verse six, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Someone who will tell you the truth. Now, by the way, I don't feel comfortable with all you people. So don't be coming up to me after church and saying, well, I've been praying about this a long time. Keep praying. <laughs> don't come at me with whatever you're thinking. Because unless we've been sitting down for a while, it's not gonna work out too good. Because I get defensive and I have a hard time taking it from people I trust and am vulnerable with, much less somebody just walking up punching me in the nose. So don't be, oh, well, sister so-and-so, I've been praying for you and something. You don't even know me. Yeah, it's right. And I don't wanna know you now. You know, don't be going up to strangers popping off. You say, well, I felt God telling me to. Well, you better have it in writing somewhere to back up what you're about to tell them, you know, because that stuff doesn't go over big unless, you know, you're very gentle and they're prepared for it. Proverbs 27, verse six, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Verse nine, ointment and perfume delight the heart and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Now what this implies is sometimes you can have relationship with people outside of your own family. I know that sounds shocking to some people. But that's where the family of God sometimes even trumps your own family where things aren't working very well. You better have some backup to your crazy family. You know, we all got crazy families. And just church is crazier than that. Jump down for the sake of time to verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now let me just briefly talk about this. You hear this verse, iron sharpens iron. What is that? It is friction. You cannot take two pieces of steel unless you're gonna bang them together on the blade. The only way you take two pieces of metal and sharpen anything is for them to rub against each other. Friction, that constant tearing away, smoothing out of that surface where it sharpens. And how do you know this is working? How do you know it's working? Look what it says in the second part. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You're gonna look different. 
If you are in relationship, a man with another man, a woman with another woman, especially in this context, a man sharpening another man, you're not going to have the same stresses. You're not going to be so freaked out. I can look at men, look at women as well and go, man, something's going on. You ever walked up to somebody and go, whoa, please step away from the rail. You know, there's something up here. But when you have these kind of relationships, when I can sit down and talk through some stuff and somebody get in my business and work some things out, I walk away feeling different and looking different. Your countenance will change because you're not carrying all this junk by yourself. George Washington said this, associate with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation for it is better to be alone than in bad company. You want to end up godly? Get around some godly people. I mean, our church is loser-friendly, but for God's sake, don't pick losers to grow as a Christian with. Maybe that'll be our new slogan, (laughs) loser-friendly. We're all losers in some way. But if you don't want to stay a loser, then find people who aren't going that direction anymore and say, hey, could you hit my blade a few times? I can't do this by myself. Mark chapter 12, New Testament. Now, without tearing this apart, there's just some crazy stuff in the Bible, and Mark chapter 12, verse 18 and following, some Sadducees showed up and they started in this ridiculous question and answer thing with Jesus. They said, then some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and they asked him saying, they don't want answers, they're trying to trick Jesus. Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brothers should take his wife and raise up offspring for a brother. Now imagine this. You ladies are married, your husband dies, and he's got a brother, and you got to marry him if you don't have kids because you got to make kids with him? You think your marriage is rough. So they go through this process, leaves no children, brother takes his wife, raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. Let's just get ridiculous with it. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. The second took her, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring. I mean, this woman's having to sleep with this whole family of brothers. Second took her, he died, nor to leave offspring. The third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring. That's obviously a very sterile family. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Who will be married to who in heaven? We're gonna trick you. Now look at his answer. Jesus answered and said to them, are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? Not a politically correct answer, you idiots. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. You missed it, buddies. You're asking the wrong questions. Don't go here unless you want to. Proverbs 18, says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, I understand you say, well, I'm not married and you're talking to married people. Absolutely. If you're single, and by the way, I got no verses to guarantee you'll ever be married if you're single. You say, wow, that was very encouraging. I'm glad I came. <laughs> you know, you can't say, well, God promised me something that's right here. It's not right there. Not everybody marries. But if it works out, And you say, well, I got married and it's not working out for me. So the answer is not getting married. But the scripture says, if you find a wife, you find a good thing, favor from the Lord. Is it tough sometimes? Absolutely. I tell people I did not marry my wife forever. I married my wife for life. You say, well, that's not very romantic. It isn't about being romantic. It's about being biblical and understanding. You say, well, I want to be married in heaven. It won't be about that in heaven. 
but it is a gift in this life. Now, let me share something in this regard. If you're gonna have a healthy marriage, you are going to have conflict. And you're gonna have moments where short of coming to blows, some words are gonna be said that may need to be said. And you say, well, but she didn't say it right, like you're Mr. Perfect, or he didn't do this right, or she said this. You know what, it's not gonna be perfect. If you're gonna get close to somebody, you're gonna be afraid somewhere along the way. If you're gonna have a real relationship with someone, it is gonna scare the bejesus out of you, whoever that is. You say, well, I can't do it anymore, then you're gonna be stuck right where you are. There are gonna be tough situations, tough conversations. It's just life. Lori Gordon said this, love is a feeling, marriage is a contract, and relationships are work. And in the Christian case, marriage is a covenant. So it's a contract, it can be null and void. A covenant's hard to break. Mark chapter 12, just a few verses down, and maybe we'll shut it down with this. Verse 28, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Again, trying to trick him. Pick one. So they've gone after him on this seven husband thing and all that mess. Now he's going, what's the first commandment? And listen to his answer. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now simply put, if you never figure out those verses, it's never gonna make sense. If you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, you will never find the love of your life beyond that. It'll never make sense. You say, but I don't have that kind of love. I have no love for God. I gotta get some love from God to even have love for God, and you're right. So where do you start? You say, God, I'm empty, I'm done, I got nothing. I'm trying to love other people. I don't even love myself. So I tell you what, God, I accept your love. I receive whatever you got. I want to love you, but I don't even have love for you. So give me some love from you that I can give back to you. The worship that you give to God, you have no worship except that he gives you the ability to worship him. And he comes along and fills up your tank and says, okay, now give it back to me. So you got to start with accepting God's love. You say, but I'm not lovely. The reason I don't want to have a relationship with another man or another woman or have this stuff you're talking about, if anybody really knew me, they wouldn't love me. Before you were ever born, he knew you. He knew who you would be, what you would do, who you are right now. He knows the stuff you haven't even screwed up on yet. So you say, okay, God, I can't hide from you. Start telling him. Sometimes I just sit down and I have trouble even saying the words, certain things I'm embarrassed to say out loud to God like he doesn't know. I can think it. I don't have to say it, do I? There's something about just speaking it out loud and then realizing he loves you anyway. He has to love us or we would never have let Jesus die on the cross, be buried and raised from the dead. There's no way God doesn't love you. So let him love you. So you receive that love. Then you say, okay, now I'm gonna stop loving myself and all these other people before you. God, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. It's all about you. Once you've let God love you and you have love for God, then you know what? You start turning around and you begin to love your neighbor the way you love yourself. The problem I believe with the world being screwed up is most people do the second commandment without ever figuring out the first. And we are going around loving our neighbor the way we love ourselves, which is not very much.
and we run out of gas, we run out of fuel, we run out of love, and then we're saying, well, I've given you everything I've got. I want something back. Give me something back. You owe me. We don't say these words out loud. Sometimes we do. You know, I jumped your battery. Now you got to jump my battery. And it's just a dead battery going back and forth. Get some charge. Get some juice. Say, God, love me. Then all of a sudden you walk out and you say, wow, I got love from God, and now I can love me. Now I love you. It's going to be okay. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. If you want a real relationship, you're going to have to start with one with God. That'll change the one you have with yourself. And then that overflows in the relationships we have with other people. If you are not healthy vertically, you will never be healthy horizontally. You may experience some eros kind of love. You may have great sex with as many people as you can find that'll subject themselves to you. You may have some amazing friends that come and go and stick with you and you say, yeah, but I got great friends and I don't have God. Well, good for you, but you're still missing out. If you connect with the God of the universe, it will change everything. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.